There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yumiko is ringing in 2021 with a brand new array of colors. From softer yellow hues to vibrant, unique velvets, you can currently snatch a ready-to-wear option within the first collection of the new year, the Les Patineurs Collection. To place a personalized order or to glance at the new colors, please contact your local store, ambassador, or head to yumiko.com. The New York City flagship store is still open with limited hours and the associates are standing by and ready to process all of your orders via phone or email to ensure that you can safely shop from home. Check out yumiko.com and yumiko's Instagram at yumiko to stay updated on new releases, live events, store updates, and all 2021 Yumiko news. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Hi, Michael. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Good. We have a very <laughs> special co-host with us today. We have. We do. We have um, former New York City Ballet dancer, former Stotts Ballet Berlin, and former <laughs> Pennsylvania Ballet soloist, as well as my best friend and roommate, Evelyn Kosak. Yay! <laughs> We're very excited to have you, especially for this very fun episode where we are going to be unpacking On Point on Disney+. Plus. Fun fun fact about Evelyn. She was originally slated to premiere on Conversations on Dance. At this point, it was a couple of years ago. But then I guess we just like, you know, sometimes we we record and they, they get into like a lineup, but then you felt we felt like your episodes I don't know what happened there. I was swearing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll take it out of the vault. We can yeah. do it like when no, once well, we're I got too comfortable with you guys with you guys. And then <laughs> I think also there was a performance coming up and it was we were more that. plugging it and then it was like we were past it. We were past mm-hmm. it because we had other it was during Veil. We recorded it during Veil and then right. we had to put certain things out. And then by the time we could get it out, it was a little past. Right. And then but, I 
dancing entirely. So here we are. So here we, we do have. I mean, once once conversations on dance transitions into its Mariah Carey Legacy Act phase, maybe we can do like a B sides um, release of that. Yeah, I think I was talking about like stage fright and stuff, which had its, yes. you know, that was fun well we're gonna we can i mean some of that is going to be relevant to this episode but we so we wanted to we obviously wanted to have you back and we're just we were we've been waiting for the right moment but this moment feels exactly right right because um so we started watching all of us started watching the disney plus sab docuseries uh on point when it was released last month and obviously it like really you know brings back the nostalgia of our own experiences at sab and, and um, yeah, so we thought we could delve into that some. Yeah. I watched the first, how many episodes is it total? Is it six? I think it's six. six. I think I watched the first four mm-hmm. in like a fever dream mm-hmm. at one night. And I like, <laughs> just, like crying through the whole thing. Right. Um, it, good tears for the most part. Like it, I just, yeah, it definitely hit a chord and I love that they made it and I love that it like that's out there as a realistic <clears throat> representation of what it's like to go away to ballet school mm-hmm. as a young child or teenager um so that people have that and not just <clears throat> sort of wow the excuse me the <laughs> Hollywood, the like Hollywood you know interpretation of what that sort of life is like mm-hmm. right no yeah, black did, swan stuff yeah happened. well all that garbage there's another series that was released um concurrently that also highlights ballet but yeah, um, what i was referring to but i wasn't going to call it out well, we're not <laughs> calling it out so we're just doing the yeah. this is mariah's second shout out within five minutes but we're doing the mariah thing we're just you know sh- sh- delicately shading without actually exactly. saying anything we don't know her we well, don't was, know that other show i know and i was thinking about it like i mean i guess everyone's experience i can't i can't say that like you know there's one general experience for dancers who go away to ballet school but a lot of dancers are really so focused that they're not there's no scandal happening i know that's not a very exciting tv show to make but like not the like sex and drugs and all that like i was such a nerd because i was all i cared about was ballet and that was my whole life while I was there, there was nothing scandalous going on. Yeah, that's I did love that about all of the people that they highlighted. And of course, it's not just the ones they highlighted all of this, you know, students are like that, like you're saying, just total bunheads, like, even just the moments of like, the girls sewing their point shoes while doing online school. It's just like, that was our lives. That was exactly what it was like. And oh, what time are you going to have dinner after rehearsal? Just like these little things for young people so dedicated so soon. I liked, I really liked the way they showed that it felt very realistic right yeah yeah I I just I don't know for me I thought it was just I as well I felt so emotional the first episode and I just like you look at these kids and they're just such a perfect pure um distillation of like what love of art is like they're it's just so pure it hasn't been tainted by the reality of a career yet yeah, like fear of not succeeding or like they're just there's nothing that would stand in their way of them thinking they're gonna they're gonna go for yeah. this mm-hmm. dream that they have. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, I really liked the the little boy when he was going through the point shoes that everyone had signed. This was my party mom last year, and then he like had them oh, on the Marga. counter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's it. I, I mean, it does crack me up because it's like that. Like now, also like Alan Pfeiffer and Megan Mann. I'm just like those were our peers, and they're just like the teachers at the school. <laughs> I, I mean. Don't. They're great. You know, it's, it's, I'm glad that there's a new, there's fresh blood. There's like a new generation in there. Obviously that has to happen eventually. When did you, what made you cry first? Oh God. I don't know. I think it was just like, maybe it was just like an overall. I know I, I can share when I cried. Share with us. (laughs) That was just set up for me to tell you when I cried. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're the co-host. You can do that. Thank you. Um, I'm pretty sure it was when the little girl from the Bronx, Isabella, Isabella. Mm-hmm. when she's talking about Maria Tallchief and how Maria Tallchief didn't have money to go to ballet school and, you know, that when, whole. When yeah. she says that and her parents, it's like, it's just what I love about the kids. It's so earnest. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't, and she, like, you know, obviously she's not meaning to hurt her parents' feelings. Like she's saying it just like, and she didn't have any money either. And it worked out for her. So it's okay. We don't have any money. Yeah. And the parents are like, yeah, we sure don't. <laughs> you know what, what really struck me about that is just the awareness of even looking into that, knowing who she was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go to any like small school and say, do you know who Maria Talchief is? And they're like, no. It's like that. My kids don't. Sometimes they don't know who Misty Copeland is. Uh-huh. Yes. Not, not, not you, at some schools. And I say my kids, sure. I have a lot of different schools I teach at. But, well, you know. Right. Or even when guesting places, like it's clear that they don't have this understanding. And that, that brings me to one thing I wanted to talk with you guys about is I loved how they started with the history of Balanchine right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they didn't necessarily need to do that. But you know that that's something that's obviously so important. And it set up the whole story and it set up this legacy. What it, Did that strike you guys as like very important as well? And Yeah, I think I just I don't know if this show like I mean, because the kids are all going to be so adoring of that like it's the thing is like at this point you know I've been thinking about this because uh, things are so different now and certainly Balanchine like we've talked to some of his dancers and like some of the behaviors or things that come up are things that we would like cringe at today and um you know I, I don't sometimes I think maybe we're, when, when we're talking about him I don't want it to be too much like we don't know him you know what we know are the ballets and the way of moving and that sort of um that is what defined our artistic lives and that's how the kids feel too right like I, you know all, of course all the dancers that we speak to like they had this loving relationship with him and that i think is beautiful but um you know i don't mean to transfer that to 2020 and be like 2021. Yeah, God. (laughs) Thank God. But um, yeah, that's what I I think that the the kids love that way of moving. And that that is what fills them, you know, with that with a sense of pride and um, joy in what they do. And, and so I think it was super important that they talk about that history. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I also just think the kids are so good. Like so good. I, I just rewatched a little bit of the first episode before we got on and I was I watched like this combination where one of the I guess lead um dancers for the show, Dominica, who Rebecca, we taught. When? Where? 
at Next oh, Generation. At Next Ballet. Generation. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yes. And that like I was like, right. I couldn't place it for a while. And then when as soon as she was in class with Philip, I was like, oh duh. Duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, but I watched it's like five girls going across the floor in a grand Suki Shore Grand Allegro, and they're so good. And the boys are so good. Like I just don't know where how it happens. It's just so natural. To me, SAB is the best place in the world to see a, an authentic Balanchine place. I really mean that about uh, ballet. I, I really do mean that. I just think now like, and this is part of what I'm talking about, like the purity of it's like, then you become an adult and things get so watered down or you have to deal with people's egos and you have to appease certain people that are still bitter about their careers and how it's just so gross. And when you watch it, when you watch this, it's just like, it reminds you of that, like, really pure love of art that is just about that. And it's not about anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I felt so emotional about, I think. Well, and they all have such a tangible goal. We all did at that time, right? It was just like, to get into a company. And then there's, it gets so complicated after that, you know, like, where do you see, like, where do you fall within the company? Is this the right company for you? There's so much more at that point when you're a student there's one goal and it's easy to see and to work Mm -hmm. towards right yeah and you don't even maybe like you're not even thinking about having goals beyond i'm just beyond that goals beyond getting the cup you aren't like a hundred i remember just being like well when you're at sab you just want to get into new york city battle like that's Mm -hmm. the only thing you have in mind and even though you should be more open-minded and you should be thinking about other places but I think they, someone says that in the documentary, they're like, you, you know, when you're there, that's where you want to be. And, and I do think the school is doing a much better job of helping kids realize that not everyone is going to get into New York city ballet and helping them prepare um, for auditions elsewhere for other options. It sounds like that's more, they're more realistic about it now, mm-hmm. but when, when you're there, you have that goal in mind of city ballet. And then, but I didn't even, I was like, I just want to be in the core of New York city ballet forever. I don't need to, I don't need to be successful there. I don't even need to be seen. No one needs to even know I'm there. Right. (laughs) Right. And then that got taken away from me, but, um, (laughs) yeah, that's all I wanted. Really did not care about being like anything special. Mm -hmm. Right. That always comes later and becomes a confusing goal. And right. yeah. yeah, I, I do want to bring up one quote that I particularly liked. And I know that Michael will like this a lot. And this was from one of the girls. It was like in the first episode when they were leaving their home studio. I was going to say this too. I love that. I okay, think it's I have a it written down. quote, but I, Is I, it? I, so I wondered if that teacher had her something. At or first like, I thought it was an SAB teacher for a second. Then I was like, wait, where are they? And I wanted to know the teacher's name too. I, I know it wasn't on there. Work. It, it was, was at the okay. New Orleans School of Ballet. Is that was that the name of the school? I don't remember. Okay, uh, we should go ahead. But anyway, yeah. this is the quote, and it's fantastic and a quote to live by. I feel she's telling them to be forward, and she get, and she says, "We can't move backwards in life. We can only move forwards." Yeah, be forward. Ballet is like life. That's it. I loved yeah, it. I just wanted so to bring good. that up. And that girl, oh God. I mean, they're all so beautiful. They're all just so good. Like, that's why I just couldn't get over. I was like, how are you this good? I want a company of just you guys and we can just live in our little balancing utopia and no one will hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, that 
correction in particular made me start to realize how they didn't necessarily water it down for an audience of non-ballet dancers. Did you guys mm-hmm. kind of get that too? Yeah. And I think that was, I think that also ties into the, like not trying to make it into like a Hollywood version of what being in a ballet school is like. Right. Um, because I was thinking about that. Like there's a lot of in shows that aren't a documentary they're trying to like they don't just use the terminology that we would use because they assume that the general public is not going to be able to understand that Mm -hmm. but it's sort of a dumbing down of what it is because people are gonna you have to have a little more faith in your audience that they're actually going to be invested enough to like figure out what you're talking about so i I rewatched black swan recently and i was able to appreciate it more um just like as a movie Mm-hmm. Um, because I went in with the idea, like, they're just, they need, they're, and they have to, or they feel they have to dumb everything down. Like wh- the things that make us giggle, because it's like, so it would sound so silly in the ballet world. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they never refer to the Swan Queen in Swan Lake as Odette. Like we would never be like, oh my God, she's doing Swan Queen. But like. <laughs> I guess in the movie, you know, they have to like get from point A to point B really quickly. And so they're not going to spend like, you know, precious cinematic time educating the audience on the history of Swan Lake. But then that's also upsetting because then they don't learn about it. Well, but that's not really that. That wasn't Aronofsky's goal, frankly. I also just think people would get it. If you said she's doing Odette, they'd be like, okay, that's what that's the lead called because that's what she's doing. Like, that's what I mean about like, you have to have a little more faith in your audience that Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to make that leap. And if they somehow don't get it, they can Google it. Like it's not <laughs> in the world that they have to do a little bit of research to figure out what you're talking about. Right. One of those moments that I liked was when one of the girls was in her dorm room and she said, this is my pile of dead point shoes. And then she just kept going. And like, not that that's something super complicated to figure out, but I liked that she was like, "These, this is my, my pile of shoes that I can't wear anymore. Like she didn't do that. They just like let them speak like ballet dancers. And it, you're right. Like it, makes more sense that you don't need to dumb it down. And I think that's also more interesting for the audience because there are these facets of how we speak and what we're doing that's not automatically available to the audience in that way. You know, they it's something different for them. So. That's, what, that's like the world that people want to be brought into. That's what people are fascinated by. Right. And that's what's missing from like a scripted version of a show like that or a movie is that like people – People really are like fascinated about the behind the scenes lives of ballet dancers. And mm-hmm. like, but you're not going to get that unless you let dancers just like live in that world. And yeah. That world. And On Point does a really good job of right. that. I think so. I do think you're, you're right. Like it is funny though, because it's just so different from what it is. It is kind of, I don't think it's dull, but it's just d- different. It's just like a depiction of, very young mini adults with their blinders on completely devoting themselves to a singular moment and idea. Mm -hmm. One of those things along the same lines that I really liked um, was Sam. One of the boys was talking about how you have to perform plies, right? When you get in there, you have to be warm to do plies. Like a another thing that like people wouldn't normally maybe understand. And I also, I just loved that. Of course, like great thing to be thinking about. (laughs) Well, they always said, like, this is not, plies are not a warm up. I mean, even in a company, I'm just like, 
y'all should, you should do something. I mean, or I don't know. I always felt comfortable just coming in and being like, okay, ground plie one count. Let's do it. That's how I get warm. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, that's not fair. People have injuries, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're Sus- Susie always used to be like, um, she's my favorite teacher at SAB. I'll, I'll claim that on the record. Friend of the pod. Yeah. But she always, uh, yeah, she was always sort of just like, you're young and you can do this. And it's true. Like the older you get, the more you're like, well, I could, yeah. Why was I ever being like lazy or not giving, you know, everything then yeah. at every moment? Cause mm-hmm. it's a short career and you don't have that much time. Well, mm-hmm. Alan Pfeiffer says it on the show where he's like, you peak technically when oh, you're like 16. I, yeah. That hit. That's hard. when, yeah, you texted me. You were like, I sure, I sure did be doing double pirouettes from fifth, right and left. <laughs> I, because I wanted to fight him for a minute when I heard that. I was like, right. what are you talking about? Like, you, imp- you, you know, improve. And, and I think you do like mature as an artist or what have you. You gain performance experience and then you get more uncomfortable on stage because you're terrified of the stage. But <laughs> <laughs> because adults have screwed you up, they've taken you from that pure place of love of ballet. Right. But I was, then I like had to think about it. I had to like sit with that and I was like, yeah, it's six, 15, 16, every, at least every Suki class, that was part of class, doubles from fifth, both sides, wasn't a question. Like you were, that's what you were doing. And I guess I yeah. could, haven't done them since. <laughs> <laughs> and ceases and hops on point like all that stuff is just like baked into the education at SAB and then scared of it because of that because you're just that's it's just that's where the bar is you are going to be able to do those things or you're Mm -hmm. not going to be there right and no one's told you you can't do them yet you're not scared of them you're not scared of that right I was thinking about my audition for the summer course which was with Susie this is my second audition for SAB I didn't get in the first time I, <laughs> um, nobody did as yeah. uh, as we've gone through uh, like everyone who comes on is like and then I was a principal at 14 but at 12 I didn't get into SAB so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I guess they told me my technique was well you could like call in and get your corrections or your parent could I don't I don't I don't remember I didn't call in my mom called and like you could get you could find out why they didn't take you really like yeah, they're like she can't do tours de te. Not tours de te. Yeah, tours de te came for me. That's an essential. Yep, couldn't do it. We didn't really do. I didn't really know it yet. I think I don't think I had learned it. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah. The other thing. Oh, go. Sorry. You go ahead. No, you're uh, not talking about the story. Finish that out. The second when I did get in the audition that I did get in from, I remember I had like there. It's not. I had, I asked to go left across the floor for a turning combination. I, Susie was like, is anyone a lefty? And I was like, me. <laughs> and just the brazen, I would never volunteer to turn, a, like single myself <laughs> out for a turning combination. I'm not a turner. Maybe I am. And I've just been told I'm not, but I, at the time I had no fear in being like, I want to go left in this audition in front of you. Right. Right. And you mm-hmm. lose that. Over time. Over time. Mm-hmm. I also want to counter the 
that you're in your best technique at that age. The only reason I'm going to counter it is I think if you're at a high, at a good level professional school, you probably are. For me, I was like swimming upstream at that time, just trying. And I think there's a lot of people probably that really like, I always feel like I finished off my technique that year after high school before being in a company. But I mean, it's right. So it's like 18 versus 15. But I do think that, um, being in a school like a professional school like SAB where they're drilling that kind of stuff into you makes a huge difference, you know, right. and can definitely, mm-hmm. I mean, it impacts your technique so much. You can tell by just how talented those kids are and they're so young and they're so good. I'm just so envious of how like, sometimes I feel like as a teacher and I mean, it's not like I, you know, have any control over the larger curriculum with the schools I teach at, but just like mm-hmm. watching them, how they start, kids where they're behind the bar and they just do like um you know they just take like eight counts to do a perfect tendu out and then eight counts to go in and it's just like you can't do that with recreational kids no you know and that's a different thing it's not that like recreational training isn't important because you're still instilling a love of ballet and um you know but it's just a very very different type of training so I was, I'm just like fascinated watching that and watching kids, you know, just really go through with that. Like, like commit 100% as an eight-year-old to doing like 16 counts of one single plie. Like that's wild to me. Well, a lot of the kids, uh, I don't really teach ballet right now, but when I was doing some teaching and I was teaching at smaller schools where, you know, it was mainly recreational for a lot of the students. The hardest thing I found in that sort of setting was that it's really hard to get the focus from students to want to concentrate on doing something with that sort of um, attention. And, you know, it's slow. It's not, they want to like a lot of kids just want to like run and jump across the floor and tricks. Yeah. You lose the whole class and you only have an hour usually with these. Right. That's what's so rough. How do you teach anything in an hour? I'm a, I can't do it. It's, it is amazing to watch kids that just like know their goals from that age. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you see it from the beginning from Isabella, the girl who loves Marie Talchiv, all the way up to Ruby, who is like, obviously, like top of her class. Right. So talented. Um, but like, it's just when, you know, they just decide. It's almost like it's not a decision. I mean, they just it's not a conscious decision. They're just like, this is what you do. I love this. This is, it doesn't feel like work. It's just, you know, this is what, how we're going to do this. I think that if you have that love of ballet, whether or not you're at SAB, you just have that. Like I remember being a really serious child Mm -hmm. in ballet class and I could, Mm -hmm. I could have done it for hours, Mm -hmm. but that not every kid is going to have that. But I think the thing about SAB is that it's just like the perfect place if you are that kind of kid it's yeah. just gonna it's just gonna feed that part of your soul that's like I just want to do ballet all day I think a lot of it's about the environment right like my first school that I started training at wasn't really that way and then I went to a school that was you know of a little bit higher caliber and all the girls were that way they were all going to summer courses they were going to SAB and San Francisco ballet school and then they like kind of instilled that in me because then it was like, oh, we can all bun head out together. And so I think it is also 
kind of the effect of the whole environment. And that was came from the teachers. The teachers wanted that kind of more professional school and they instilled that in the dancers and the dancers kind of spread it amongst each other. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot, you know, at these professional schools like SAB, that's a lot of it too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it comes from the top, but also just like being around other kids that share your interests. Like the first summer programs I went to were so influential in that way to be like, oh, wait, there are other people that are as serious about this as I am. Um, And they're better than for me. And they're better better than me and I got to work my... Oh my God. I remember, oh God, this is so painful. Wow. Why did this come and slap me? (laughs) (laughs) But I I went to CPYB when I was 12 for the summer with my teacher, I stayed with my teacher. He was teaching at CVYB and he was like, this is like, you know, one of the best schools for young kids your age. So I went with him and Tyler Angle was in my class. And I remember I didn't know what a cease was yet. And we were doing ceases facing the bar and like Tyler and I was facing Tyler like opposite one another and he's just like doing his pretty ceases and I didn't know how many beats I was supposed to do so I would just like sneak a foot in front and it was, royales. It, I hadn't heard of we did royales in my home studio uh-huh. which I don't even know what that is now but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any terminology anymore <laughs> I know, it's, like a, it's a weirdly front beat yeah you do a front beat before you change it's, yeah. a, it's a cheat for a cease which has more beats Right. Oh, yeah. A lot of people do accidental royales because right. they can't coordinate cease. Right. But you know who can coordinate cease like, is? People don't see. They, they're like, oh, I'll do a royale to cease. You, no, you think no. it's conscious? I think it's accidental sometimes. Well, I've seen people go, they're just like, the cease isn't going to happen. Because we've talked about this too. Like, the cease is a timing thing. Yeah. It's the timing. the timing. Totally. It's what you learn at SAB, though. That's why everyone at SAB can do cease. Right. I couldn't do it till I went there. But then I learned my first summer there, I learned, I was like, oh, that's a cease. Okay. It's, you have to be fast enough to do a cease. Mm-hmm. It's, it's getting the front foot back fast enough. And jumping right? high enough to have space. I always tell my kids that too. If you yeah, don't jump the, high enough, lot, there's not time. No, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't ever jump and I could always do C's. I think it's more coordination because like mm-hmm. lots of people with big jumps, I can think of three off the top of my head who I will tell you after, um, <laughs> cannot really do C's. Yeah, I've seen that too. And I, I couldn't jump for a long time until they made me jump all the time. And then I was yeah. like, okay, I guess I learned how to jump. But yeah. I couldn't when I was a teenager, but I could do a cease because, yeah, it's just, I think it's a speed and a, and a timing. It's getting that like, dun, dun, Down. Dun, yeah, dun, yeah, dun, dun, yeah. The other, um, one of the corrections that I like, this was a Susie correction. I think when she maybe came to teach Miami City Ballet Company, she, um, I, so many times people tell you in beats to cross your thighs and she's like, I can cross my thighs and still my, my legs are not crossed. So she said, cross your toes. And I was like, oh, I love that. Cross those toes. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably something you guys heard all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Susie is the best. I mean, I just think the reason why I have to give credit for, like what I going back to what I said that I think SAB does the mo- the the balancing performances I love most, and that's just it comes from the top. It's Suki Shore, Susie Pilar, and Kay Mazo teaches less, but also is a good teacher. Like I, it just they look the kids. I mean, yes, a lot of it is natural. Like wh- when you see like that video of Dominica when she's like twelve in her audition for SAB, I think, or maybe it's just a class, but. Yeah, like there is definitely a natural component, but then these teachers mold them into these 
wonderful beings. And, you know, I just, they're like, they're so good at what they do. Well, this was, this struck me when I was watching it that like, now it's been what, 20 years since I started at the school. This is your 20th anniversary coming (laughs) September. That's disgusting. (laughs) I was really young when I went there. Um, Anyway, I, the fact that their, um, Susie, Suki, and Kay ability to teach or what they teach hasn't evolved or become distorted. That for me, I thought about that, that like they're so, they stay so true to what was passed on to them. It never gets like, you know, even when we were there, Michael, like, mm-hmm. not like they were, that they were already removed from Valentine so many years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like they forgot or started to do things weird or it like evolved into like their own weird interpretation of it. And, That's, mm-hmm. and, and then 20 years later, they're still consistently teaching, you know, passing on what they learned from Balanchine in a very truthful way. That is impressive for me that, cause I feel like my training from SAB has gotten distorted through the years that I was a dancer. Like I felt like I lost so much of my mm-hmm. balancing training because you go to companies that are like, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I even think that like people that come from that tradition sometimes distort it through their own ego. Like they're just like, I want to put my spin on this. Yeah. And sure. you're just like, what? Yeah. Why? I mean, of course, inherently it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, no one like it's all, it's all refracted through the individuals who dance for balancing it's not balancing because right. it's not him that one thing but the way that these people put it out there it just isn't it's less about them right i don't see them suddenly getting confused like sometimes i have to when i was teaching i'd be like i'm confused i don't remember when you come into a turn what arm goes on top or on the bottom when you pull in for a pirouette mm-hmm and I don't think they have those questions. I don't think they're like, I don't remember what, our, but I'm only, I'm only 20 years removed from my training. There are so many more years removed. Right. Don't forget. But I think it's just like, you just stay, if you're lucky and you like, you get to stay they came direct, they, they came direct from the stage. Like they retired while Balanchine was still the director. And then they kept doing what they were doing. Yeah, no, that's true. This uh, is a really a really interesting point. When we talked to Susie and another balancing dancer who will be our guest next week, next week. Tease, um, they talked about how balancing chose them when they were very young, still very new in the company. And he had them teaching at SAB from the get. And so, and they, Susie, I remember especially and this other guest talking about how they were on stage, they were taking Balanchine's classes and then they were going directly into the studio with the students teaching the same thing. And it's just so incredible because he was clearly watching over his legacy already with that, right? By making sure that he had people he acknowledged would be good teachers. And then, and they've gone on to continue that legacy. And like you're saying, they don't get confused because they were in the studio saying the things while they were in the studio the day before the hour before hearing it from him. Mm -hmm. So I find that, I mean, so fascinating. And so obviously so smart on his part. Yeah. Uh 
The next thing I wanted to bring up and I have in my notes, slight PTSD watching the auditions question mark. <laughs> Did we all kind of feel oh, I that? Audition. I mean, auditions <laughs> were disgusting. I, my, my SAB audition was awful. Like, it's funny because it's like we're talking about these kids and how they can just do things. I don't think I was that way, maybe. Like, I remember my audition was at the Kirov school. But so I was with these kids who I thought were really talented. Mm-hmm. And I was very intimidated by them because they were all at a major school. And I was at a very, very small school without a lot of other dancers who were seeking to have professional careers. And I, so I, I was like very, I was very, very nervous. Kate taught my audition and I just thought, okay, these kids wiped the floor with me. And then of course I didn't know that to her, she was like, I was a lot more stylistically adaptable, even though I was Russian trained too. Yeah. But I was more inclined for that. Yeah, Russian technique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. And I remember going home and as soon as I was done with that audition, I was like, okay, Mesa taught. And I knew that there were pictures of Kay in some of my dance books. And I went back and, and looked oh. at that and how exciting that was. But I mean, like, but I love like I Dominica too. Like she has these, did you see um, when she moves into her dorm room, which was weird because it's the exact same, like those, okay. we talked about this, same yeah. desks. Like, I wonder if our, our signatures and stuff, like we wrote in those. No, they got, no, this was what was the weirdest part of it because I thought it was exactly the same and that they haven't replaced it for all those years, but they got the same furniture, but new versions of it. No! <laughs> <laughs> those it's four kids. <laughs> no. Um, so funny. But um, Dominica has like little cutouts of, the to her teacher like there's the suki picture and like the one of Susie and emeralds and i just remember like we had those bulletin boards and i put up all these old photos and that i that were like my inspo but i love that it's for her it's the same people you know i like that they have the respect for the og Mm -hmm. people yeah and i just i mean i mean they're all beautiful but like it was dominica is just so stunning and um, they're also modest. I don't know. There was, there was, I, I love that the kids, like they give off such a sincere vibe. Like they all just love, love ballet and want to, you know, serve the art rather than serve themselves. Yeah. And I just, I hope they all have, like, that's why I just, I felt this like weird paternal pang where I was just like, I want to protect all of them and I want to like keep their love there. Yeah. Well, if it's there, it won't leave them. It will just haunt them the rest of their lives. Yeah. No, I mean, I did think of it like that. Like, it was like, like, yes, I I guess I tried to switch it because it was like, yes, I was watching it. It did make me feel like protective of them because I just thought of how many times like people will test that once they are in companies. But then at the same time, like because they they have that it's never it doesn't go away and that will protect them in a way that people who don't have that and who were merely in it because of you know some more self-serving reason like or like I want to be in the spotlight right those people are the ones that will flame out first yeah yeah um we were talking about audition PTSD yeah for SAB or just in general? Generally. Well, I I, oh, I, I, I feel, <laughs> I, well, what was funny, actually, what struck me most, like watching the Nutcracker auditions was like remembering these auditions that we had to do for parts, always cool. modern stuff. Well, that's because I part. love this. Rebecca has <laughs> a special PTSD because you never audition for a company ever. Right. 
Exactly. So, so I guess your, I wasn't your audition, it that way. you didn't have like a, like, you didn't have to do a lot of cattle call type stuff. No. Like you got in through the school. You're only, did you have audition for Miami City Ballet School or no? Didn't you do? No, I did the summer did. course okay. auditions. Okay. Yeah. For a whole bunch of places okay. um, for like two years. But yeah, I mean, I, so, so maybe that's why to me it stood out more. I mean, Evelyn, I'd like to hear both from you, but I, I wonder too, if you had that feeling about like being in a company and auditioning and having them whisper and you're just staring at them. and. Oh. Yeah, that well, we did some of the when I guess at Schott's Ballet Berlin and also in Pennsylvania Ballet, they would do the same thing with modern, like more modern pieces. They'd have us audition, but almost like workshop it yes. for a week. And I was Ooh, I'm so sorry, well. I was I had no patience for that. I was like, I'm not. This is maybe this is the wrong attitude, and I will acknowledge <laughs> that. But I was like, I don't want to work on this piece for a week that you're not going to put me in. Sorry mm-hmm. about it. Like they, I wish that they would just like, they just choose who they want or they don't, you know? Right. Well, yeah. like for Justin's ballets, we do have to do auditions, but we do try to make them as painless as possible because yeah. it is just, I remember how disgusting it is. Just like learn, like learn what you need to get the point across, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I don't know. It's just so hard to you watch class and you then you would do the, your little audition. Just like then you have to make a, a snap judgment and you have artistic staff in your ear. But like my experience as a dancer always makes me want to not listen. To <laughs> Anyways, we got a, a hair off topic. Yeah. But, and I also wonder, though, too, I mean, I never did any audition that important when I was the age of the little kids. Oh my God. Doing, and I just yeah. wonder about that. Oh, they're poor, poor little souls being crushed when they don't make Nutcracker. Yeah. Like, but I also wonder if that's part of why, I mean, they're all serious anyway. They're, they love ballet and they want to do it seriously, but having tangible goals probably helps fuel that. Like they want to be a Nutcracker. They want to be in the New York City Ballet already at that age. Like, unless you are a pretty inquisitive kid that is doing your own research at us like like you're at a, a Dolly Dinkle school, let's say, but you know that it's out there in the world that you can do something. It's like it's hard to motivate kids. Like a lot of the schools, like Tri County area schools that I teach at, like they don't really understand that there is something for them. And these kids, they have that. So, mm-hmm. t- like, was it Gabby the the one who's t- she's twelve and it's her final year as a hoop? I think she's also just so beautiful. Like so. Like, I don't know how they all, like, they have this, like, delicate little port de bras and attention to detail that's so gorgeous. But mm-hmm. Gabby, anyway, I think she didn't make Nutcracker one year. And... Or, yeah, I think... Yeah. Yeah. And just, like, already having to cope with that and then, you know, building the resolve to come back and get get it that time. And then when it's over, that's it. She, it's her last year. She's going to be too tall the next year. And then she's like, and then the next goal is just going to be to get into New York City Ballet. Mm-hmm. Uh, or when um, Sophia, the Marie, when she, it's her last show and she's just bawling. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I mean, I hope she goes on to the most fabulous career ever. But yeah. even if she doesn't, like th- that moment is there. And just like, it's sort of bittersweet and beautiful. Just watch like, Knowing that it's over, but that she had it. It's our, It's like a little, a, a mini version of what a whole ballet career is yeah. in, over the course of just one December. And I think that's why we started talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast taping. Um, but like, that's why 
dancers are sort of so mature beyond their years in one way because they have to handle these major life disappointments um, or just like this understanding that life will be beautiful and disappointing at the same time very Mm -hmm. early on, often alone because they've moved away from home. And then they're also, you know, simultaneously not having the nor quote unquote normal life of a teenager. So that isolation makes dancers like seem younger than their years in other ways. Right. So it's sort of this combination of both like extremely um, mature and having like a, an emotional depth that someone their age wouldn't normally have. And then also like kind of lacking in life experiences mm-hmm. because you're just dancing and you're right. focused on that. It's yeah. such a weird juxtaposition there. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. also like, and then you look at those kids and I rem- it's so easy to remember, like, we just didn't care. Like, nobody's sitting there like, oh, I want to go out to like my prom. Like, no. I went, to, I didn't go to PCS because I was poor, but I <laughs> went to LaGuardia. Still is, are poor, correct? <laughs> yeah, still poor. I got there poor, still poor. Um, so, but I remember I went to PCS's prom, which was just like so sad because PCS has like 12 students in their graduating class or something. And we were just in a basement of a Wall Street restaurant with like <laughs> a <laughs> There was like an open, anyway, this is really off topic, but I but don't care because you don't, yeah. you just don't care about those things. Yeah. Well, everything like your daily class just matters so much more than any like teenage moment could like yeah it feeds you more Mm -hmm. well before we sign off i just want to get everybody's kind of like last minute or wrap up feelings on the whole thing how it made you feel let's go around let's go around evelyn let's start with you oh no i wanted michael to start Um, let's start with michael oh i wanted evelyn to tell like a quick I, i maybe not to force this into your wrap up but i wanted you to talk about your text exchange with your mom Oh, yeah, this was nice. So when I was watching the first and maybe into the second episode, like I, I realized like I see the emotion that the parents have, you know, being invested in their children's um, passion. And it occurred to me like when you're there it's not that I wasn't aware of the sacrifices my mom made. I was, she sold our house so that I could go to SAB. Like I was fully aware of what she was sacrificing for me to be there, to be there. But I like texted her because I realized that she, you know, what she did for me in hindsight was she allowed me to have the most amazing experience of my life. And I'm like crying and texting her just sort of, sitting with this reflection and she texts back that like, there was no doubt in my mind that I had to let you go. Like it was just um, like very obvious. Well, she said it was who you are. That's what I really like. I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. So. I'm dying. It's It's true. I I was thinking that too, like how much those parents were invested too. And Mm -hmm taking them on all these trains. I was just impressed with the kids' knowledge of the trains, too. They were, like, teaching <laughs> yeah. them. No, it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And you I leave guess- home when you're 
I was 15 when I left and you don't think that you're never coming back. You don't realize that you're like, Oh, I'm going, I'm doing this thing, but you don't think you can't see that far into the future, but your parents are like, I'm losing my child before Mm -hmm. they've turned 18. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Before they were expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey. I mean, I just, I, I love the show and I, I hope everyone watches it because I think it just reminds you of like all the best parts of what being a ballet dancer is and what ba- being a ballet dancer, what's beautiful about the art and about giving your life to the art. Like it really helped, like it helped me as we've talked plenty on this podcast about the difficulties of transitioning. It helped me like re- recall that I I committed to something beautiful and that it's never, even though it's over now, it's not, no part of it wasn't justified or, or special or, you know, and I hope that those kids get to have that feeling too. Yeah. It made me really hopeful for the next generation. You know, I think they all have that passion. It's clearly being passed down, um, like we've talked at length about. And I think, you know, there's so much exciting things for them too. And I, I couldn't help not to make it negative, but I couldn't help but think like this was in 2019, right before everything changed. Oh, and these kids are just <clears throat> right on the cusp of their careers and it will happen for them. But I just, you know, they're the ones that are having it mm-hmm. the hardest. And so, and I also was thinking, you know, what a great um, way to inspire new dancers, this whole program. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, of course, when they thought this would come out, they would be anticipating that people would want to go to the Nutcracker and that Mm -hmm. it would inspire all these kids to get into classes and all this. And just, you know, a reminder how much the world has changed, but that we'll be getting back to normal soon. Yeah. I hope, I really hope that next year, maybe it's too soon for this year. There's no workshop this year, but workshop 2022. Like I just, I just can't wait to be in that audience and see some of these kids. Yeah. Yeah you know absolutely well thanks you guys thanks we guys gotta sign off oh, that was so fun yeah, that was great thanks for having me we'll have you back for sure we gotta yeah. do it again we'll find another topic <laughs> all right <laughs> all right bye guys thank you for joining us this week if you would like to support the conversations on dance podcast there are a few ways that you can help click over to apple podcasts and leave us a review Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week.